Hey, I'm Dustin. And I'm Steve. Welcome back, listeners, to the finest phototainment in the world. That's right, you're listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast, an irreverent look at wedding photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. Steven. What's up? I feel like I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long. I mean, we have both been uh, traveling um, destination wedding photographers this past weekend yeah. um, in illustrious locations. Mm-hmm. Some perhaps maybe more illustrious than others. Well, I mean, uh, I, I was basically shooting in one of those cigarette holders, um, you know, where people put their cigarettes out. Uh, Steven, I've never smoked, uh, so I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not grown up in that cigarette culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps. no, it's like that little thing, like eight feet away from the entrance to any door in the state of Indiana, and it's like got a little, little tiny hole at the top, and then a big basin at the bottom, presumably filled with sand. Uh, uh, I was basically shooting inside of one of those. Yeah. Gotcha. So I imagine where you were shooting was much more illustrious. Um. I wouldn't say illustrious. It was nice. It was uh, in Ohio, uh, in the great, great city of Cincinnati. Oh, okay. O H I O. Uh, yeah. I, so, I mean, we have Cincinnati on one hand, and then we have California on the other hand. Granted, yes, I know you had uh, some small, some small uh, embers cause some, uh, some fires. Is mm-hmm. that what I heard? Do you really want to downplay it like that when it's been like some of the worst fires in Californian history? Uh, I, uh, Steve, I, this was your this was your story. I just wanted to see if you wanted to talk about it. And you know me, Dustin. Do I want to talk about it? Do I want to talk about my personal life? <laughs> still can't get over you not wearing a hat. It's like I'm talking to a more mature, more sophisticated version of you throwing me off it's almost like i'm professional right like yeah this is how i usually am when i'm shooting a wedding so like i feel Crazy. like as if there was a version of steve the podcaster and then steve the producer director editor of the podcast like you're that version right now mm-hmm. um I, I guys i can't promise the quality of what this episode is going to be like yeah right right now this is like steve van elk out on the dance floor with a camera several mm-hmm. flashes uh probably if he's getting real crazy, he's got like a flash with a trigger on top of his camera. He's got a prism in front of his camera, rocking a 24 to 70 on the front of that uh, Canon 5D Mark IV. And, you know, he's prisming some bulb exposures and just completely destroying his wrist. Mm. The Steven Van Elk we've all grown to love. <laughs> the Steven Van Elk takes a lot of really terrible shots on the dance floor because he might get one that's just amazing. Amazing. You know how it is. It's like when you throw Corinne up on your shoulders and she might drop a lens or she might not. Back to California here. As a Midwest photographer, you know, we get we get used to mediocre light, gloomy days. But now that you've gotten to experience that sweet, sweet golden sunshine for about an hour, what what was that like? Tell the listeners out there that might not have ever experienced California. Uh, it was really smoky. It was very hazy. Um, it was like shooting through a giant diffuser all the time. I didn't really experience that California light like you're talking about. Okay, let's talk about the day you were like like on the way to the airport. On the way to the airport. Uh, the, the day that I left when I had already packed my yes. cameras up into yes. the carry-on and yes. zipped and locked that. Yeah, the little, the little tease of California there. 
Uh, he is still pretty hazy that day, too. <laughs> it was just less Bitch. hazy than the other days. Uh, this is terrible fire stuff, and I'm not joking. Oh, but it's like the first, okay, the first day you were there. Mm-hmm. You had to have like at least one moment where it's like, you're like, God, it's like golden hour here all day long. Yeah. Th- we we had like half of that moment when we were we, like the first thing we did, we got off the plane and we drove to the Golden Gate Bridge because we wanted to see that. Mm-hmm, we wanted mm-hmm. to make sure we got in there for that. Um, if we'd been smart, we'd have gone up to Mirror Woods as well. But we were like, we'll do that on the last day. And then the last day came around and was like, we're so tired from the wedding the day before. We don't want to drive to Moir Woods and try to hike around. And we also haven't packed everything up yet to get ready to go. And by the time we did, it was like, we don't even have time to drive up to Moir Woods. We can maybe go downtown San Francisco to grab a bite to eat. You go to like Fisherman's Wharf? Uh, We went to the um, Palace of the Fine Arts and then we went to Girardelli Square. Well, Girardelli Square is like Fisherman's, Fisherman's Wharf. Fish, yeah. Um, when we went to Girardelli Square, we were like, let's get a bite to eat. And then we looked at our watches and like, let's try a beer. Because <laughs> we didn't have time to get food. It's cool. Yeah. We ate in the airport on the on the way out of town. That airport's kind of crazy, though. It's like a million times better than the Indianapolis one. So Really? I find, like, I guess I've only flown there three times. But every time I've flown there, it's like the security line is nuts. Security line is nuts, but like the actual inside the airport, it's like oh yeah, yeah. The airport itself is nicer than Indianapolis, but I'm just saying much like, nicer. I thought I was gonna miss my flight numerous times because of there's limited security mm-hmm. compared to other airports. Yeah, yeah. You gotta show up early. So as the listeners out there now know, you know it is true. Stephen and I are national wedding photographers. Uh, um, I shot a wedding in the Dominican. I'm an international wedding photographer now. <laughs> Steven is an international wedding photographer. Dustin, You've shot a wedding in Mexico. You're also an international wedding photographer. I am a North American wedding photographer. I'm a North American and one Caribbean. <laughs> oh, what are you drinking tonight, Steven? Tonight, Dustin, I'm drinking a Dorian Stout from Scarlet Lane. I know it's not Eric Bloodaxe, but it is very hmm. good. I think you should say I'm drinking a Dorian Stout from Myers Grocery Store. Yes, that is right. Uh, Scarlet Lane, big big news for them. They got picked up by a local or a regional grocery store called Meyer. So now you can buy their beer at Meyer. I don't know if it's everywhere, just like in this area, but it was a delight for me to go there and see a bunch of Scarlet Lane beers because the liquor stores around me have stopped carrying scarlet lane because they said that the demand was so low and i was like you mean me coming and buying out your stock every time you had it is low demand i mean i thought thought i was doing them a service it feels weird though if the demand is so low then why is myers picking it up yeah i think some of the liquor stores around me are kind of douchey and i think that was mostly what it was they whoever runs it doesn't like the people at scarlet lane or something because every time I'd go in there, the Scarlet Lane like beer section, because they'd have like their own little section, you know, would be almost completely sold out. So yeah. maybe they just don't know who you are. Maybe you're next time you're in the liquor store, you'll be like, "Hey guys, I don't know if you know this, but I am the co-host of the Wedding Photo <laughs> Hangover Podcast." Justin, let, let's push on. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am actually drinking a spiked hot apple cider. So what I did is my wife needed a coffee because our kids are both sick today 
And so I picked up an apple cider and then I put a little crown royal in that. Yeah. This is my friend what I've been sipping on tonight, trying to keep the, the germs at bay. Coffee and crown royal. No, no, no. Apple cider. Oh, apple cider. Oh, apple cider vinegar or just apple cider? That Starbucks apple cider. Uh, I did have apple cider vinegar last night. I'm doing anything I can. We're going on vacation Friday. And so uh, I'm trying everything I can not to catch my kids' disease. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got a little distracted there. It just started uh, sleeting here. Like not, not quite snow, but not quite rain. And the way it was like hitting the windows kind of sounded like fire, you know? So <laughs> You're like at this post-paranoia from being in California? Jen has drilled into me a very real paranoia of fire all the time. She, uh, when she was younger, her house burned down. So she's always um, very, very much aware of noises that sound like fire and makes me very much aware of them as well. Mm. So doesn't, do you want to push on into topics? I, I would love to push into what we're calling the Phantom Produce episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got two topics sent to us by Phantom Producer Louis Novak. One topic sent to us by employee of this podcast. One topic sent to us by my wife, Jennifer my Van Alk. And uh then we then we got something else I threw in there. We'll we'll see if we can get through them all. Okay? Okay. Sounds good. All right. So uh you want to start us out or do you want me to? Uh I'll let you take the first one. I like the second one. So, Phantom producer Louis Novak sends in this article on Gizmodo. Apparently, it's been reported that there is a videographer suing Adobe because there was a bug in one of their programs that deleted $250,000 worth of the man's files off of his computer. Now, it's not necessarily $250,000 worth of his files. It's like he well, could he have licensed some of that stuff. And that, yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of like looking at the files and what he thinks he could have got out of it. And that's what he's suing for, which I mean is what you should do with something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's a, apparently a known bug and it has affected multiple people. Yeah. It's a, it's a class action. I think you're missing that key element. Yes. He is just, he mm -hmm. is. So how class actions work. He's the person who's bringing it forth, but he's correct. So it's kind of like if he, if his case wins, then it's like all of these other ones kind of like automatically win, but it's, by binding them together, it brings validity to the case and it makes it worthwhile to a attorney to pursue the case. Yeah, and then it doesn't look like user error. It looks like yeah, looks like Adobe's bug actually caused this. So the bug is with Adobe Premiere, which normally we wouldn't talk about something not with Photoshop or Lightroom, but a lot of people who listen are also getting into video editing. And mm -hmm. what the bug was is... If you took your media cache and moved it to a different folder, and then at the end of like editing, you click to clear your cache, Adobe wouldn't just clear everything in your media cache. It would clear all of the files that were in that folder that you moved the media cache to. So this guy had moved his media cache to an external hard drive and just moved it into a folder called videos where he kept all of his clips. And when he went to clear his cache, instead of just clearing, you know, the cache of like rendered stuff that he'd been working on, it just cleared like a hundred 
thousand files or something is what he claimed of video clips from this one folder called videos, which to me is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. I've... And he didn't have backups made of these uh, files, so they're just gone. And he said he spent three days trying to get them back and couldn't. Yeah. Which I'm... that's a different story to me. You should have been able to get some of them back. Yeah, I should maybe invest in like Time Machine or some sort of backburn, backblaze, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't I know you use Premiere? Yeah. Have I you do. had any problems? Uh, nope, no problems. Ed, ed, has your editor had any problems? This may be the more appropriate thing to ask. Uh, not that I'm aware of. I'm. When's the last of. time you heard from your editor about the projects he's currently working on? Oh, just wrapped up one this week. Nice. New, new editor, Steve. I know. Wrapped up one, uh, actually just today, this day we wrapped one up and then hoping to wrap up another one end of week, beginning of next, get caught back up again, slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Goal is to be caught up by Thanksgiving. My goal is to be caught up on video edits by Christmas. Well, I mean, we, we will still have more videos in the can, but the goal is the ones that were behind on our deadlines, those done by Thanksgiving. Nice, nice. So we'll see. We will see. My kids being sick, my babysitter not willing to watch my kids tomorrow because they're sick uh, is definitely going to set me back. We we shall see. Joys of being a stay-at-home full-time worker slash parent. Dustin, have you ever sued a company before because they lost some of your files for you? Uh, I don't think so, Steve. Have you? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to find a way to make this topic more relatable. <laughs> Working on it. We we gotta we gotta shop this, make it a little bit more interesting. We got we gotta Photoshop this top. I will say the first thing I thought of when I listened or when I read the episode. God, my brain is fried. The first thing I thought of when I was reading the article from Gizmodo was, "How do I get in on this class action?" <laughs> I was just like, "I've got Premiere, I've got video work. I'm sure some files disappeared somewhere along the lines." now now we're thinking Dustin. i mean i've got weddings that are that are months out that need to be done and i it, let, let's not blame the editor let's blame premiere this is what i like to hear buddy so what we want to tell all of our users our listeners to uh do here our users if you if you use adobe premiere just uh we are adobe jump on over to this gizmodo thing look this uh videographer up join this class action lawsuit see if you can uh Get some money. If you can qualify. Yeah. And if you do, let me know because I am all in on this. Uh, I would say at least one wedding that has been deleted, easily worth 250000 I, I would say uh, at least one commercial shoot for you probably easily easily worth even more than 250000 It was oh, a yeah. huge deal, right? Your first yeah. huge deal, to be correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's uh, let's just bundle those together. I think I'm at 1.5 million now, if I'm doing my math correctly. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, it's ruined your business going forward. No other commercial uh, products will trust you because of how bad yeah, you screwed I've, this one up, losing all I've the files. Had to rebrand from Big Burrito to Little Quesadilla. <laughs> no. Very nice. Yeah. No, it's probably more fitting for you to be little anyway. Is it? It's really thrown people off, actually. Dustin, do you want to take this next one? Next one comes in, what a good topic this next one is, from Phantom Producer Louis Novak. This one kind of rings a little true to Steve and I, so this one is actually 
in reference to the photo that's been going viral on the socials. Uh, it's a photo of a baby with a BB gun, and the photographer is under fire, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. For a Christmas story-inspired infant photo. Now, Stephen, I need to first preface this topic with, have you seen Christmas Story? I have. Okay, so you you understand the photo's reference. Have you been to Shelbyville, Indiana? Yes, I have. Okay, case closed. Moving on. Um, no. Uh, so, why, 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 why would the case be closed then? <laughs> Christmas Story in the Midwest is like our Bible during the holidays. And your Bible, yes, sure. And the uh, photographer in question replicated the coveted Christmas story that is played across TNT and ABC and all the other major networks that have nothing else to do but play Christmas movies during the holidays. Which is like, isn't it like a twelve-hour movie or something crazy? No, it's like no. a two-hour movie, but it just gets played on a loop all day on TNT or okay. some shit like that. that. I, was, I just remember it's like I turn on the channel and it's like, wait, is it still on? But anyways, so there's a famous scene in the movie where the main character, a little boy. Ralphie. Ralphie wears a, he gets like a bunny outfit for Christmas. Mom thinks it's adorable. And then. Uh, oh gosh, really you don't need w- to explain the movie to the, I'm sure 95% of our listeners have seen this movie. You can't assume this, Stephen. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, go out and go out and uh, rent it. It's real bad. You don't even have to rent it. It's going to be on TV here in about three weeks, if it isn't already. True, true, true. I don't know what people are going to do, though. That are you know supported by the royalties of movies like that when everyone goes to an unplugged society and there's just no one's flipping on TVs and watching Christmas movies because everyone's they still running. get royalties from Netflix or HBO or whoever licenses it, but no one's gonna license now. The it. people who don't get royalties are the people who make Netflix original content. HBO original content, Amazon Prime original content, because that content is made for their platform, never leaves their platform, never gets licensed to anybody else. So they get paid one time up front, and then they never see any royalties from any of that content. Now that's yeah. a big problem. Those people will not be living the uh, the royalty life that they have uh, become accustomed to, because those royalties are going to dry up for them if they keep doing these these crazy awesome Netflix shows. Please don't stop doing the Netflix shows. Please don't. <laughs> They're so Wasn't good. Wasn't it uh, Jerry Seinfeld that was one of the first people that when he was negotiating his contract uh, actually negotiated in that he got a portion of the royalties for when the show would get you know reruns? I have no idea about that. I know that's why um, he's one of the richest comedians of all times. I'm a pretty big fan of script notes, and I know from script notes that writers get royalties. I know producers get royalties. I know directors get royalties, and I know actors get royalties too. But actors' royalties uh, come after like directors and producers, which is why a lot of times after like one season of a show is done, the actor will suddenly be listed as a producer on every single episode because mm-hmm. then they get more royalties. They see more on the back end. Right. Same with movies. Mm-hmm. That's why you'll see like Mark Wahlberg is also the producer of this movie and he's yeah. the director and he's the main character. And the the royalties can be really important. Ugh. 
the royalties can be really important. This Dorian stout, man, it's tearing me apart. Um, to people like writers, because a writer might write something one year and then it might take like four or five years before they get another thing out there. Unless they're like writing for television and then they'll probably have one or two episodes up a year or more if they're the showrunner. But like a, a movie writer, they don't, uh, it's not like, not everybody's Max Landis, you know, the guy wrote Bright and they don't get like five scripts sold every single year. So royalties can become a really important part of how they continue to pay their bills in between writing gigs and stuff. But Bright's a Netflix original. Yeah, it is. You made a huge <laughs> mistake there. <laughs> Actually, say. you know what? I don't think that would have gotten replayed anywhere else. So he probably got all of his money out of that one. It was a bad movie. Speaking of bad movies, let's get back to a Christmas story. Back to a Christmas story. Uh, so this photographer came under fire uh, for what I'm calling a innocent, harmless photo um, of a cute baby boy. No, um, no, absolutely not. This is not an innocent, harmless photo. This is a photo that perpetuates the myth that a Christmas story is a good movie and that it's something that people should watch. <laughs> it is harming generations of children who will go into this movie thinking that it is something enjoyable and then just be bored out of their damn minds. So can, you, can you really tell me that it's worth it to inflict that kind of psychological damage on these children? Um, <laughs> how many people just shut off our podcast? <laughs> we turned out okay. We we turned out okay. Oh um, no, dude! National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was oh, my Christmas jam growing up. That is definitely better. Now they should do a baby photo with a kid wrapped in Christmas lights, hanging from power lines. And, you know, I got a real question to ask you, Dustin. Yeah, Stephen. Would right there here. be this kind of uproar if instead of a BB gun, you know, uh, let's say the kid was maybe posed? And I don't know, maybe like a white tank top, no shoes on, little blood on the bottom of the feet, um, maybe holding like an Uzi and uh, there's like a little speech bubble that says yippee Kaye motherfucker next to him. Do you think that people would be as upset about that as well? Probably or? not. Probably not. Yeah, no, no. I, I think it's because, you know, a Christmas story is viewed as being such an innocent Christmas movie that, you know, the gun in it is, like, such a central part. And the gun in the Christmas story is also seen as, like, you know, you'll shoot your eye out, that whole thing. Um, it's seen as something that inflicts violence. Um, Ralphie does, in fact, basically shoot his eye out. Yeah, I think the the reason that the photographer came became under fire was uh, just the the political climate in our country right now in terms of gun violence. I think people were seeing it as insensitive, and perhaps just you know thoughtless and i don't know it's like it's an interesting place that article put me in it was like i kind of see where they're coming from but at the same time it's just a silly harmless like baby it's, photo. it's a bb gun even like it's not even a real gun it's like i know but the the argument was that they were they were promoting a shitty movie gun culture a gun culture in our society. Promoting a shitty movie in our society. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I just I just feel bad for the photographer. Like this was an idea I think if I read this correctly, this was an idea from the uh the parent and the photographer, you know, did it and now it's like the photographer that's essentially getting ripped apart on social media. Except if you read the article and actually read what was going on on social media, there are only like three or four different uh, outrageous comments saying that this is bad because of the gun. Um, 
most people were supportive in the beginning. It's not like the lady who takes the pictures of young young women uh, as prostitutes. Like, and by young women, I mean little girls as prostitutes, where like there should be some sort of outrage about that because that's disgusting. This this is a relatively harmless photo. I do think if instead of putting the gun in the baby's hand, she had put the gun like leaned up against the stool with the uh, lamp on it, probably wouldn't have got as much backlash. But that's just me. I also think if she had, you know, maybe chosen a better Christmas movie, probably wouldn't have got as much backlash. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's always next year. I'm just saying. Can, can I? I'm going to say something. And you- Who's going to be upset about a true American hero? Like John McClane being depicted as a baby. <laughs> Nobody's going to be upset about that. It's Ralphie. Nobody likes Ralphie. I will say this Amy Hale scrolling through her Facebook page is crazy talented. Yep. Obviously, bad taste in Christmas movies, but. Very bad taste in Christmas movies. <laughs> <laughs> but very, very gifted at baby pictures. Mm-hmm. Dustin, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Let's Let's hear it. I'm actually like mildly excited for the new Christmas one coming out on Netflix, the new Santa Claus one. I thought you were going to say Scrooge. I thought that was going to be your play. I think it's kind of like their attempt to sort of remake the uh, the Tim Allen one, which I think will always be my favorite one. Wait, the Santa Claus? The Santa yeah. Claus is your favorite Christmas movie? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so great. I just, just love Tim Allen. It's like, that's me as a dad. <laughs> minus like being divorced minus, minus being um, dysfunctional and racist oh is he racist in that movie uh not in the movie in real life <laughs> oh i'm referring to the movie Stephen. okay i'm gonna cut that out we won't we won't tarnish tim allen's name even though he's a terrible human being in real yeah. life yeah i i did not know any of that he, he would have loved that christmas story photo <laughs> tim allen I bet he has it like plastered all up in his in his office at home. That's why, uh, because he was supporting Trump, his show is canceled. And because he has photos of babies holding guns, Tim Allen loves photos of babies holding guns. Too far, Stephen. Too. Far. I'm just saying, man. He he's all about gun rights. All right. Do you want to take the next one from mm, my wife? My wife, Jennifer Van Elk, wrote in about... Such a weird first name, by the way. Jennifer? Or no. my wife? My wife? I, I thought middle name was Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jennifer is her middle name. That's correct. Her her first name, given first name by her parents, is my wife. They're huge what's Borat the eth- fans. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the ethnicity of her parents to name her with that sort of pronunciation of... My wife. Well, obviously, um, they're not from Kazakhstan because people from there don't talk like that. <laughs> so I guess they would be like uh, English people. <laughs> okay. I just I just know if maybe this was something that when you marry into the Van Elk clan, it's not only do you lose your last name, but your first name <laughs> slides yeah. slides to your middle, and then you're now referred to as my wife. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Make sure we clear yeah. up some uh, ethical issues here. I mean, uh, legally now, Jen is probably the only person who knew this before I shared this here, but my name isn't legally now Borat Van Elk. So, Borat. Yeah, that was part of getting married. I got, got to change my first name. It's only fair. And you have to grow a mustache. Photographer in Baraboo, Wisconsin, told kids at prom to do a Nazi salute for a photo. So this kind of fits in with our, our last one about a photographer coming under fire for a... <laughs> creative decision 
Yeah, this is uh, this is episode's going to be called Under Fire. <laughs> Under Fire. One photographer does something that, meh, whatever. It's it's a bad movie. And the other photographer is a total racist. And then you just have California. So, oh. Dustin, did you take a glance at this article? I did. I did. Uh, like the the good good person inside of me wants to believe that it was just something that the photographer asked the kids to do that was sort of taken out of context. Um, but and then it's just something that you know looked or resembled a Nazi salute because I know that there's a lot of music videos and hip hop and different various other arm gestures, hand symbols. Mm, yeah, yeah. There's so many arm gestures and hand symbols in, you know, the hip hop <laughs> world that really just look like a Nazi salute. Like, it's so crazy how often you see that happen. And just normal, like, hip hop shit. Yeah, I mean, well, if you, if you think of, like, 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 the, like, the dab, but then you, like, turn it this way. And instead of putting your head down and having your other arm across your face, you drop your other arm to your side yeah, exactly. and lift your eyes up like you're looking towards the swastika. Uh-huh. So you nailed it on the head there, Steve. So it has since come out from a few different sources on Twitter that the photographer did, in fact, tell the kids to put the, their their hand up in a, a salute that was uh, Nazi-ish. At first, the photographer was saying he did not. And that it was just a funny, funny picture that the kids just did. I don't even see how it would be funny, though. Yeah. And w one girl who was around when the picture was taken said the photographer just told all the students to do like a yeah symbol. And they just all did that of their own accord. But there was a there was a kid actually in the crowd. He's one of the he's he's the only kid who's not putting up the Nazi salute. And uh -huh. a reporter tracked him down to talk to him. And he put out a lengthy statement about his peers and how they 100% were doing a Nazi salute. They were aware of what they were doing and the photographer had asked them to do it. And uh, that these kids had been bullying him the whole time that he'd been in school. And he felt incredibly awkward and uncomfortable, but the whole thing happened in about five seconds. So he couldn't get out of the photo, even though he didn't want to be in it. Mm. Yeah. It's just like, uh, I don't even know what you want to talk about in reference to this. There's so many things that come to my mind. So, like, Dustin, I just want to know, like, what's the most racist thing you've asked a client to do? <laughs> now, now uh, to be noted, there is also one kid in the photo who is uh, doing the white power symbol, like the upside down OKs. I didn't even know what that meant. Yeah, uh, it's it's the OK sign, but, you know, the the three fingers up are the W and... Uh, or I guess they're technically down when you do it or whatever, but it's like the three fingers represents a W and then the circle in one of the fingers is supposed to be the P. Yeah, I thought that was the thing. I've seen people do it at weddings where like you did it and then if you looked at it, you got like punched or something, like sucker punched in the arm. Or... Yeah, yeah, that was a thing in the Midwest a while ago. Uh, ever since, ever since this, uh, not the most recent election, but the one before it, um, it's come out that there's like a that symbol is associated with the white power movement, and uh, people claimed at first it behind. wasn't associated with it, but it was just um, it was just like people were trolling people online. But now enough people have been doing it to quote unquote troll people that it's just become a symbol of hate. So 
It's like if you're making okay, but instead of, you know, fingers up, you do fingers down and you try to be like low key about it, you know, because you don't want people to know that you're a racist. You do one of these where it looks like a spectacle. Man, this this episode (laughs) dealing with some issues, man. Going deep. We're diving deep on the deep, deep dive into (laughs) gun control and racism. Yeah, I think really the moral of the story on this one, Jennifer, uh, in case um, middle name Jennifer, last name Van Elk. Uh, First name, you, my wife. Exactly. In case you were curious, don't do racist poses when you're posing large groups of people or small groups, really, for that matter. But like, let's say, let's say the photographer actually had just told the kids put up like a yeah sign, and then all these kids just of their own accord at the same time were like Nazi symbol. First of all, what's a yeah sign? Like, I don't even like when I think into my deep book of posing ideas. I'm not like, hey, guys, I got one. This is the winner right here. Everybody, give me that yes, yeah, son. Um, you, you know, it's kind of like that. Just uh, take that and rewind it back. Little John got the beat to make your booty go. I see what, you, I, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah. But, Steven, yeah. we're not making enough money yet on this podcast to license that. Yeah. So I'm going to need yeah. you to yeah. change some words, maybe a pitch <laughs> here or there. Yeah. Okay. 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 Got it. Got it. Okay. So let's say you were shooting something and uh, you didn't notice it at the time while you're shooting, but like your groom put up like a white power sign or um, something else that would be derogatory and terrible. I guess the the question there is, let's say it's the only shot you got of this one thing and uh, they really want the shot, but you feel uncomfortable with it. How do you solve that situation? So that you don't end up like this photographer posting an incredibly inflammatory and racist uh, photo online. Yeah, but in this situation, it was the photographer who... Yeah, I know, but I'm trying to make this into something that's relatable to our, our listeners, Yeah, Dustin. but it's... Come on. It's not going to be something that's relatable, at least to me, Stephen, because I try to do a rather good job of vetting mm-hmm. my couples. Yeah. The um, only thing I could So think do you want to of... talk about one of your grooms who you recently had? Uh, and a tattoo that he had on his body? <laughs> Yeah, but we don't know that that tattoo was racist. You didn't know until I pointed it out to you. And I still don't think. I mean, I've met them. They are the most sweet people. David Duke seems real sweet, too, I've heard. Um, Yeah, and I've met his family and everybody, and I don't think. <laughs> You've met David Duke's family? Yes. Yes, I have. Personal friends. <laughs> How many races do you associate with on a daily basis? I'm from basis? Indiana, Steve. Uh, the good Lord told me to hang with sinners, not with saints. Oh, this is the podcast where we lose all of our listeners in Indiana. <laughs> Everybody else listening is like, yeah, yeah, that sounds like Indiana. What would you do, Stephen? What would you do in the situation in which you have a groom who feels the need to show his masculinity by doing inappropriate, racist things? Well, I mean, let me just be upfront about this. If I noticed that happening while I was shooting, I'd walk away. No no doubt in my mind about that. Like, that's just unacceptable. And I'm pretty certain we have something in our contract about, like, not shooting things like that. I don't know if it's necessarily if you're racist, we'll walk out. But um, things yeah. that make us feel uncomfortable or unsafe. And I would say any sort of racism would make me feel uncomfortable or unsafe while I'm shooting. So I I would walk away, but assuming I didn't notice it and it wasn't until I was editing, I just wouldn't deliver that picture, I don't think. 
Yeah, I've only ever been put in one racially charged situation, mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't at a wedding. I was actually photographing a house. Have I told this story? Maybe. You've told it to me. I don't know if you told it on the podcast. Well, I had I was photographing a house, and a elderly gentleman, it was his property, and uh, I pulled up to the house, and I had my hat on backwards. Mm-hmm. Get out of the car, and... Uh, proceeds to ask me if I was from the hood. And then I say, I'm like kind of frazzled because I'm, I'm, it's a really busy day. I've got a lot of things I have to photograph. And uh, I say, like, I'm thinking he's like, I'm in a minivan. So I'm like, is he, I missed, do you say like, I'm from the neighborhood. I look suburbia. Like, I don't know where, where he's going with this. So I just kind of play along. He looks like a sweet, harmless old man. On our, he's on like a riding lawnmower. He's really fitting the bill here, guys. Is he drinking beer on that riding lawnmower? No. I've done that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good way to mow. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, he uh, continues on to say, if you're not from the hood, then why do you look like... And then he said a word that I can't say on this podcast or ever, for that matter. And uh, I was so... like, I was just like, whoa. Like, it just was like, Caught me off guard. Uh, I nearly turned around and left if it wasn't for the fact that I was like, maybe he's not mentally stable. Mm -hmm. Um, But I immediately went inside the house and called the realtor and I was like, I don't necessarily feel comfortable and sure your client is a racist. Ooh, how'd the realtor respond to that? Just kind of laughed it off and he's like, oh, he's just an old guy. Okay, if I had been wearing an Obama t-shirt, I probably would have been killed. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Because then on my way out, he proceeded to ask me if I was following the Supreme Court hearings. And I'm like, and I've got to go. I've got to go right away. Wait, was this when uh, Kavanaugh was getting confirmed? Yep, yep. Oh, that lousy piece of shit. So anyways, moving on, moving up, moving forward. I'll let the listeners decide if when I said that lousy piece of shit I was talking about Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh or this person who you were working with. Oh, gosh. I want to talk about the topic that excites me the most. (laughs) I added it just for you. Oh, I know. That's why you were texting me and you're like, are you ready to record yet? Are you ready to record yet? And I'm like... Oh, Steven, because I am so diving deep on this new Pixel phone from Google. Holy cow, guys. So the new Pixel phone, the Pixel 3 from Google that just dropped, it has this new feature that they are calling Night Sight. And it is blowing my mind. Every time Apple comes out with a new phone, I'm like, ooh, wow, this is great. But then Google comes out with a phone with a better camera and i just don't ever understand it um because like apple should be the camera beast it should be like dominating the camera game and google just keeps one-upping them every single time why do you think apple should be the camera beast because they are the biggest phone manufacturer in the world that means they got to play it safe. They got to they got to do things that they know will work. I mean they're they're killing it with the the fake focus blurry bokeh thing. Samsung this, and Google both did that first. Yeah. But so anyways, this night site on the I the see I almost said it. The Pixel phone 
um, essentially allows you to shoot photos at nearly inseeable light and uh, using uh, artificial intelligence it creates sort of a I don't want to call it an HDR because it doesn't resemble an HDR image. It does resemble an HDR image if an HDR image is done right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can do HDR so they look like cartoons. You don't have to, though. Or you can do it where it looks like it's an actual photo that's exposed properly. Yeah. But what I what I don't understand, Steve, is so from the article on Petapixel, um, it takes multiple photos instantaneously. 15 uh, to be exact, I think. Yeah, or I don't know if it's 15, but it was uh, one of the photos being at a 15th of a second. Okay, is that what it was? And I was like, how are those sharp? Yeah, night sight captures between 15 frames of one f- 15th of a second each and six frames of one second each. So it's more than 15 frames. It's it's a lot of frames. Wow. But how, but how is that thing still? So you got to go into a special mode when you do the night sight. Uh, you can't just like, it doesn't, it's not like a normal photo thing. You open up like the night sight thing or whatever, you switch over to night sight or whatever. And then you have to hold the camera really still, the phone really still while you shoot it. So what I've read is that the night sight thing works really, really well if you have like a tripod or you have your phone set down on something, but it doesn't work necessarily great if you are like handheld and like moving around and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. But I, I mean, also it's where... probably doing stuff like Apple does like when Apple does like HDR photos where even if you're like moving around a little bit, it tries to stabilize the camera and create an image. That's like why when you do an HDR image with your iPhone, as opposed to a normal image, it's cropped in a little bit because they've done things to try to stabilize it to make all three of the images that they shoot in an HDR image match up. So I assume Night Sight is not going to be as big of a photo as far as like it'll be cropped in a little bit on the sensor and everything so they can do some stabilization stuff for those of us who aren't going to use a tripod or, you know, set the phone down or do something like that. And I mean, from a lot of the photos I'm seeing, like there's one person who did like Night Sight photos from a plane and stuff. It was uh, Marcus Brownlee, MKBHD. For those of you who follow him on Twitter or on uh, YouTube, he's a really prolific YouTuber, does a lot of like tech review type stuff. He's really good at it. And um, it looks like from his photos, like, I mean, obviously on a plane, the plane's moving pretty fast when he's shooting the photo. So Google is working some sort of black magic to make that photo work out. Yeah, I mean, all of these photos in this article, and Stephen will post a link up to this in the show notes. There'll be links to all the articles we discussed, even the ones about the really racist dudes. <laughs> and it's just like blowing my mind. This has just been kind of one area that Apple has really not tackled yet, um, which is the low light capabilities. I mean, it gets they say it gets a little better with each iteration. Nothing to this magnitude. I've seen your iPhone XS. It's so much better than oh, any it's previous better. one. But yeah, no, this is better because uh, this is Google playing to its strengths. It's using machine learning and stuff that uh, Apple's just not as good at that kind of stuff. Apple's really good at making great hardware and great uh, like software, like interface, that kind of stuff. Um, Google's good at that stuff too, but where Google's really good is you know taking a very large data set and making something useful out of it. So like something where you take like 15 photos 
or 15 frames at one fifteenth of a second and six frames at one sixth of a second or whatever it was, that's like right up their alley. Like that's the kind of stuff where, oh, it's six frames at one second each. So every night sight shot will take you at least six seconds. Wow. Do they offer it? I assume it's purely photo, no video mode. I didn't see anything about a video mode. I don't see anything about video. I don't think you could do it because of the way that they're doing their stuff. Uh, what I will say, though, is like... That picture on Central Park with those guys or girls on the rock. What? Yeah, where it's like completely black, and then in the next photo, it's like, oh, no, it's, it looks almost like daytime. That one? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's crazy good. I hear good things about what Google is doing with their phones. Like, it almost the the pixel 2 almost had me tempted to switch yeah the pixel 3 also has a thing where if you take a photo of somebody every time you take a photo it actually captures like photo like a photo for like like for like a whole second it'll take like 30 photos or something and then instead of giving you the photo that happened right when you hit the shutter button which might be like their eyes are closed or whatever if uh there's a better photo in there like where the person's eyes are open it'll pop that up and be like do you want to save this one instead and it just does that automatically whenever you shoot a photo. iPhones do that. They do now? Yeah. Mm. Now when you shoot a live photo, you have the option to go back through and switch. Uh, okay. Maybe that's just with the iPhone, the newest one. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I've, I've not done that. I don't use live photos ever. Yeah, I use iPhone live photos always, as yeah, Stephen no. notices. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible is ruining my life. Because he loves it when I send him a picture and he hears in the background sweet little whisperings of me saying things like, Stephen, I hope you like this photo that I'm taking right now. It's usually sweet little whisperings like, oh gosh, Steve, help me, help me. The racist man came back to my house again today. <laughs> doesn't, that's a real issue and, you know, you should, you should do something about that. Well, that'll get cut. Okay. <laughs> When All we right, circle, when we circle back for jokes, it's usually great, but we probably shouldn't circle back to the racist stuff. Dustin, let's Steven, you want to do jump on over. No, Dustin, we can't do questions yet. Steve, Steven, we got we gotta we gotta do some out of person sales. We gotta we gotta get up on our brand stands. Hey guys, I just jumped onto Greetable.com to do the nicest thing I've ever done in my entire life for Dustin. That's right. I sent him a unique gifting experience complete with pictures of me and a lovely message that I wrote. And, oh my gosh, if you want to give your clients that same good, good feeling that I just gave to Dustin, you got to go to greetable.com for all of your go-to gifts for your clients, vendors, and referrals. You can personalize your gift with your very own message like I just did for Dustin and with photos. They don't have to be of yourself, which is what I did for Dustin. But whether they're of yourself or somebody else, those photos are going to be beautiful, high quality prints to go along with that beautiful, high quality gift from Greetable.com. It's a unique experience that's sure to get some love on Instagram. How do I know it's sure to get some love on Instagram? I can tell you how because Dustin sent me photos after he opened it and asked me if he had to wait for this episode to go live before he could post those photos to his Instagram because he was so excited about it. So here's what you guys got to do. You got to jump on over to greetable.com. That's G-R-E-E-T-A-B-L dot C-O-M. 
No, there's no E at the end of Greetable. So just G-R-E-E-T-A-B-L dot C-O-M. And once you're there, use code HANGOVER20 for 20% off your first order. I know that's mind-blowing. And it's mind-blowing to me because when we first talked to Greetable about this, they said it was only going to be 15%. Then they threw on another 5% off just for us. So use code HANGOVER20 for 20% off your first order from greetable.com. That's G-R-E-E-T-A-B-L dot C-O-M. And there will be links down in the show notes if you guys want to check down there. Dustin, you were just telling me that recently you had to have a logo made for one of your companies and you chose to go with something a little out of the box. You didn't create your own logo. Do you want to tell me what you went with? Yeah, Steve. Our go-to or any branding need or any website we create for one of our clients is this little website called Taylor Brands. It's an incredible opportunity for anyone who's not super design savvy like myself. It really helps entrepreneurs and small business owners design effective branding materials. Dustin, I gotta cut you off there. Did you know that Taylor Brands is actually sponsoring this episode that we're doing right now? Stop it, Steve. Get out. I love Taylor Brands. Taylor Brands is branding that doesn't have to be expensive. You're not going to lose an arm and a leg over this brand that you're getting. Am I right, Dustin? Especially, do you know how expensive an arm and a leg is? Taylor Brands was created to help entrepreneurs just like you, Dustin, and small business owners just like you, Dustin. What? Design effective branding materials at a minimal cost while requiring no previous knowledge. They offer easy-to-use automated logo design and brand-building service. process is super simple. You simply type in the name of the company, a little, you know, slogan if there is one, and, you know, uses their algorithm and their AI and all that fancy witchcraft and magic, and it just, boom, pops out like six logos for you to choose from. So what Dustin's getting at is that the branding platform asks users questions to determine their design preferences. Afterward, their algorithm generates a few logo samples from which users can choose the most fitting to their business and further personalize. Yeah. When we do website projects, it's our first go-to to get a logo on the site. Well, Dustin, can I tell you about this new thing Taylor Brands is doing? They are offering a subscription. Users receive additional assets to complete their brand identity. We're talking about uh, ongoing services to automate their work and make it easier. These services include social posts, Facebook ads, social covers, business cards, presentations, and more. They offer a full branding experience. All you need for the perfect branding at minimal cost. I love it. Listeners, if you want to go to Taylor Brands and get a new logo for your company, all you have to do is go to www.taylorbrands.com. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S, Taylor Brands, and use promo code GETYOURLOGO. All one word, no spaces, all lowercase. G-E-T-Y-O-U-R-L-O-G-O. Get your logo. That includes 30% off all packages. Yeah, I definitely am going to be checking out that promo code and taking full advantage of the Taylor Brands company offerings because I love the simplicity and the ease of use. I'm a huge fan. Dustin, we forgot one segment, though, before we can get into Q&A. Did we? We forgot to do follow-up, buddy. (laughs) 
Last week on the podcast, we talked about culling, something Dustin has been pushing off for almost an entire year. It's not really follow-up then, because Dustin doesn't And it has sparked, it. It sparked more intrigue from our listeners than possibly any other topic we have, we've talked about. There's been like eight posts. Okay, maybe not eight posts. There's been like two posts and then like a flurry of comments in our Facebook group all One about the way that my people wife. call. Yeah. Jennifer Van Elk. My wife. That is correct. My, my wife, Jennifer Van Elk, uh, came to defend Stephen's honor with his terrible, terrible way of calling with the flag on flag or pick on pick or pick your nose, do whatever uh, way of doing it, which is just asinine. But hey, like your wife said in the very politically correct way she said it, whatever makes you most efficient and makes you go the fastest, Steve. Because mm-hmm. you get two minutes, make it happen, if you know what yeah. I mean. Wink, wink. Yeah. Wink, wink, it, it wink never, Steve. It never, it never happens that fast, Dustin. Let's be honest. It'd be nice if it did. <laughs> Quick pleasures. Yeah. Quick, easy pleasures would be great in this life if I could get them, but I can't. Everything takes work. Well, you got to switch to a solid state hard drive. So, Dustin. Yeah. You got a lot of support from people. Star children, I've, I've, I've now called them. Star, star childs. Yeah. But uh, the, the one thing that you and the rest of the star children uh, can't tell me is uh, how fast you're able to call. No, nobody's answering that. And I, I want, uh, I'm just, I got to know for my own personal. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, is, is the star system monolith inspired? Like, have you evolved to a new level of the human evolution? So I think what you're trying to say, Stephen, is we are a higher, higher being. Yeah, no, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Star children. Absolutely. Yeah. We are a higher evolved species than the Van Elks. For sure. For certain. I've known this for a while. Um, not even a question, really. Yeah, no, no. I'm just glad, I'm I'm glad you're discovering Specifically it. asking you, Dustin McKibben. I can call an entire wedding in about an hour and a half. This is why you're watching Netflix? No, this is definitely not while I'm watching Netflix. <laughs> this is while I'm on an airplane uh, flying from one place to another and saying average flight time is about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I can, that's when I do my fastest calling um, when I have zero distractions and I can do it in about an hour and a half. How many photos would that be? Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, we take on average somewhere between three and 5,000. So let's say 4,000 just for being in the middle. Okay. Very well uh, done. That's on my laptop. Now my laptop is significantly faster than my iMac because it has a solid state hard mm-hmm. drive. Yeah. So... So I try to always call on my laptop when possible. And by me, I mean my intern, Lily. Mm. <laughs> so it takes Lily an hour and a half on a plane? No, it does not take Lily an hour and a half. I wish Lily could call. I assume it takes her longer because she's newer to it. Yeah, very much. And she's, you know, doesn't want to, she wants to make sure she doesn't miss anything. Mm. Yeah, no, I get whereas that. I, whereas, whereas I don't care. When I first started calling, I was very much in the I don't want to miss anything camp. And then the more I was calling, the more I was just like, I get to any setup and it's like the first good shot I see, done. <laughs> next next pose. <laughs> next pose. I don't care if their mouth was open in one and closed in one. I'm just picking the first one. 
Uh, no, I'm picking the one with their mouth is closed. Nobody wants a gaping maw in their photo. Oh, Steve, you are the king of the gape, though, remember? <laughs> You're number one gaper boy. Fifth grade battle wall champ, Steve Van Elk. That's right. So how long does it take the great Stephen Van Elk of the lower evolved species of Earth to call a wedding using the flag, unflag? Uh, I would say the fastest I've done is 4,250 images, somewhere around there. Not exact. And I knocked it out in about 45 minutes. So pretty slow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, pretty slow. Um, I was, uh, for that one, it was like... I was we, on cocaine. <laughs> no, we, we had to leave to go somebody, somewhere. So I was calling like super fast compared to like my normal calling speed. And uh, I was calling completely in grid mode the entire time. And Jen said there See, was only like two photos where she had to swap them out because like they're out of focus from the whole thing. So, And I called it from like 4,250 down to about 800. Now I have heard um, that the grid mode does cut time in half so let's say the average wedding can be called in about two hours um if you're doing it correctly um <laughs> i i'm <laughs> i would be interested to uh better perfect doing the grid mode um because i think that could cut it down for us to about 45 minutes to an hour well i i mean jen and i have an unfair advantage on you anyway dustin when it comes to calling because we know either I'm going to call and she's going to edit or I'm going to call and I'm going to edit. And so we know because it's us editing, like if we get to a photo and it's a little bit out of focus, we can easily, while we're editing, just flip on over and, you know, see, hey, was there a better one? And if there's not, there's not. And if there is, you know, there is. But when you send something off to an editor like you're doing or like when our clients send something off to us, it's like we edit the photos they call and send to us, you know. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Jen doesn't actually, Jen will actually send them like a message and be like, Hey, this one was a little out of focus. Do you have a better one? Cause she's a good, she's a very nice person. But if it was me editing your photos, I would just edit the one she sent Steven, Steven, let's back up a second. This is where, um, my method works so flawlessly. And I'm not sure that this would definitely not work for your method either, but because of how our workflow is, we yeah. create smart previews. The smart previews are one start. They are then sent off to the editor. They come back and then integrated back into our Lightroom catalog, which yeah. is a whole other topic we could talk about later. It's not worth talking about. It's just they and, send the catalog back. Done. No, I mean the fact that we have multiple catalog. You have multiple catalogs, and we have one massive one. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't understand Anyways, why you do that. Different conversation for another day. Yeah, you're doing um, everything wrong. <laughs> And by wrong, you mean you just don't understand what higher powers of beings and evolved creatures like myself. Anyways, moving forward. Star um, children, so like you. Star children. So then the catalog comes back, and then once it gets migrated back into our catalog of everything we have, mm-hmm. it's just as if I'm Jennifer in that situation, or as you call her, my wife. And yeah. um, so then as I'm going through, if one's out of focus, I just shift over to unstarred and look at the next couple. If one's in focus and looks better. Fine sync. Yeah. Got it. Star that one. Make the other one black and white. Typically, it's their favorite. Um, <laughs> There's one that was out of focus that you turned black and white. That's my favorite. <laughs> I kid you not. I still have like nightmares about this engagement session we did like I want to say five or six years ago where we did the engagement session, one of the most 
cute, attractive couples. Probably one of the things that really like skyrocketed our business, and because uh, these guys were just like super popular. Big skyrocket or little skyrocket? It was a big skyrocket. Gosh. All right. Cool. Cool. Got my answer. And uh, anyway, so the mom, the mom was like, "Oh, I want to get, I want to get my daughter like a Christmas present." I'm like, "Oh, great. Yeah. What do you want to do?" She's like, "I want to get her a canvas from their engagement photos. Their canvas, your canvases are just so. I mean, your fo- the photos were so good." I'm like, "Okay. Yeah. Great." I'm like, "Here's some of my favorites. This is back when I still cared about like helping, you know, pick photos out because thinking, you know." <laughs> My opinion mattered. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I really think they want this one. And this is back when I really didn't call down like I do now on engagement sessions and would give them like 300 photos from an engagement session. Lesson learned. And uh, it was one that I considered like a throwaway image that Corinne had shot that was just kind of like, kind of could see the wedding ring um, of her hand. It was just like her hand like over the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then kind of like their faces, but it was like super out of focus. So uh, where Jen, I'm, I'm going to go to the Facebook page now and, and read what Jen said. So we do flag on flag when we're calling originally. And then we do use a, a the stars when Jen's going through and editing, or I am. And uh, it's one for additional edit needed. Additional editing needed, like we need to send it to Photoshop or something. Two is for something we're probably going to put in the wedding album. Three is for the best photos from the wedding album that are probably going to go on the blog. Four is for the even better photos that will go for social media. And five is for the best of the best, which will go to our portfolio. So making making use of all five stars there, which is why we don't do the uh, one star for um, picking because we use all five stars later on. And then... Jen says red, which is uh, number six, is convert to black and white. Like create a virtual copy, then convert to black and white. And um, Jen says she can cull and edit a typical wedding in four to six hours. I have seen her cull and edit a wedding with, I think it was 3,500 images in one hour and 15 minutes one time. So when she's working real when when she's got a lot of post production work to do it might be 4 to 6 hours but she she can really fly through that stuff which but is I mean, crazy to me because and correct me if i'm wrong she's just doing this on a laptop right like it's not like she has any kind of fancy like keypad you know you know how like editors typically will have like a keypad or one of those loop have, decks she does have Stuff like that, and um, most of it doesn't ever get used because she just wants to edit on the laptop wherever she is in the house. So when she's using the laptop editing wherever she is in the house, it's never going to be like a like at a table one of those record breaking like hour and fifteen minute sort of things. It's going to be like a four to six hours sort of thing. Gotcha. Yeah, I keep looking at getting like the palette or the loop deck or something like that uh, to help speed up my workflow, but. I think a uh, longtime listener, Devin Rowland, is actually sending me her loop deck. So I'm uh, super grateful and excited, uh, even though she did preface that it doesn't work a lot of the time. So we'll see. <laughs> With time, it's like they get glitchy. It's like you have to leave your leave your Mac back on Snow Leopard if you want everything to work right. You can't be on that Mojave. Mojave. Are you on Mojave? Yeah, yeah I'm on Mojave. I don't think Jen is. I think Jen's still back one. Yeah, I, I'm always a slow adapter because I'm like afraid that all my programs are going to come to a 
Oh yeah, no, I I <laughs> I updated the first day it was available. <laughs> I was like, well, I can always revert back to my uh my carbon copy clone of this. It'll only take a few hours. Yeah. If Lightroom doesn't work or Photoshop or Final Cut. But they all work. Audio Hijack, I guess, would be another one. These are all good programs, though. They all get updated. Dustin, let's do some Q&A. Q&A me, baby. Let's do some Q&A. But, but Steve. Matthew Dartford from our very own Facebook group asks, Last night I had a meeting with a couple that went well, and the couple booked me there and then. Yay. Mm. Ex- oh, that's, good. that's an exclamation point. Yay! Um, Yay! <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> Matthew Darver has actually sent me several audio messages where he, just like that. Wow, you nailed it. Yeah, just wanted to really, I really wanted to capture the tone of what Matthew was going for there. <laughs> but this got me thinking, what if you, the photographer, thought the meeting had gone badly or was going badly? Perhaps you didn't like the couple perhaps their demands were too great and in your head you're just dying to get out of there then without any warning they say well that all sounds great we'd like to book you what would you do how would you handle it uh so yeah i've thought about this uh because we had like kind of one nightmare bride in the past and i was trying to think through that scenario myself moving forward how would i handle a situation where you're in a meeting with a bride and you're like this bride is just not a good fit um but there's that chance that she could book on the spot and so what i have thought about doing is you simply i don't know if you're a paper you're not a paper contract kind of guy i know because you all about that digital all about that digital um, and we, we kind of split our split ourselves between digital contracts and paper contracts just because I feel like it's easier to get them to book on the spot if I have a paper contract in front of me that I can slide across that table with a beautiful Bic pen. And uh, so what I decided I would do if I felt that they weren't the right couple for me is I just wouldn't slide that contract across. And I'd be like, well, we do our contracts online, guys. Um if you're, you know, go home. This is a big decision. I want you guys to be comfortable with this decision. Go home, talk it over. Uh, talk to mom, talk to dad, talk to cousins. And then get back to me, you know, when you're ready. And then as soon as they email you back, like, oh my gosh, unfortunately, you know, someone else just booked us. I mean, what are the odds? We are so busy. Yeah. Which uh, AW Photographic Dash Wedding Photography on in our very own Facebook group said they always say to them to have a chat and get back to me. They're very clear about that, and they think it's very important that the couple decides without the photographer being there. Then they can always say they're booked or going on holiday later when they finally do get back to them. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what we would do. So, so you're in good, good company there. Yeah, because... Typically, we always try to get the couple to book on the spot. Um, it's much easier to close a deal when you're in person than it is to later on be like, hey, remember me? We got coffee. We were best friends. And then you met two other photographers, but I was the bestest one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bestest. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So, Or you could always play it off like, 
Um, so my best friend Steve is a wedding photographer, Redwood Lane Picks. Uh I just feel like you guys might be a better fit. So Oh, see Dustin because what I would do in that situation is I've actually printed off several of your big burrito contracts and I actually mm. just say to them, uh, I know you guys thought you were getting in bed with Redwood Lane here, but I'm actually now working for Big Burrito Creative. Uh, Perfect. You might know them better as Little Quesadilla Creative. You know how it is. Um, constant name changes over there. But uh, here is my contract. Yeah, and I just I slide that Big Burrito Creative contract across the table to them. They sign. I walk out, and I'm done. And uh, then I call Dustin. I say, hey, I've got you another client, buddy. Yeah, as long as you keep sending over those retainers, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, uh, the retainer is the fee that you pay to me for booking clients for you. So I keep the retainer myself, personally. It's actually a really good deal. Yeah. Great deal. We got some great, great things, not just from AW Photographic. Uh, Devin Rowland says, I haven't been in that situation, but I think I'd say something like, you know, I don't think I'm going to be the best photographer to capture what you're looking for. Let me email you some recommendations that might be more in line with your vision for the day. Which is something that's very difficult to say. And Jen and I have actually had to send out an email like that to somebody once. And that person persisted and said, no, they really wanted to use us. Really? Yeah. That's bananas. Yeah. So That's just um, how great you guys are, though. Well, that puts you then in a tricky situation where you're like, I don't want to work with this person. But they've made so, it very clear they want to work with me. If I turn why, them away, why didn't you want to work with this person? Why didn't you want to work with this person? The, the bride was super nice. Uh, she said she had to have her dad look over the contract, and the dad just sent back like a eight-page thing saying everything he didn't like about the contract, everything he wanted changed, and we we're just like, we don't want to work with somebody who is going to do this to our contract. I remember this story now. Yep. Yeah. So I think uh, I'm pretty certain we didn't end up working with her, even though she persisted which was really, really difficult because then you're like worried they're going to leave you a bad review or something because you didn't want to work with them. But in the end, it's just like, this is not going to be a good fit if this is the way that you're like approaching the situation. So, yeah, we we had a couple like that where the groom cross had a bunch in our contract and I was like, "Uh, all right, you guys can find someone else. And then the bride came like begging me. She's like, oh, you have to forgive me. He's like just super controlling and like, I really want you guys. How can we make this work? And and I ended up doing the wedding and then it was just like, oh, it's a nightmare. So Michael Orlando wrote in response to this question. Michael's one of the star children, just yeah. letting you know. Since you have all other information over the next couple months, stalk them and then start planting adulterating evidence against each other and drive a wedge (laughs) deep, deep down between them to make them split up on their own. That way, when they call you up saying that they are canceling the wedding, you can keep that non-refundable deposit and Mm. not have to shoot their wedding. Love it. Michael then asked if that was too dark. Never. Yeah, no. I mean, I said not dark enough, obviously. What's better is if you start pursuing them and then you start setting them up with your friends. <laughs> so my response to Michael was, uh, you got to, Matthew should totally play this out. After he splits them up, then he marries one of them. 
But oh, he keeps planting. He keeps planting that adulterating evidence, though. <laughs> keeps driving that wedge deeper and deeper. Finally, convincing one of them to murder the one that he married. Now, not only did he get that retainer, he's got that life insurance money too. <laughs> now that's but, too dark. Yeah, <laughs> yes, hundred percent. That's too dark. But we need to know how this ends. Does Matthew end up in prison? Is no, the person what, actually what, dead or did they fake Ma- their death because Matthew. they learned what Matthew was doing, trying to drive a wedge between them, Dustin, and then they use that situation to their advantage. Yeah, they use that situation to their advantage to imprison both Matthew and their former fiance. So now they're alive and they're out there living their life great. But Matthew and the former fiance have been connected because of all the dark stuff that Matthew was playing in this former fiance's head. Now they're both in prison, possibly together. Hmm. It's a love story. Yeah. I mean, this fall on Netflix. Yeah. Well, I did say we need to stop talking about this now. Call Netflix and Amazon and HBO. We got a, we got a series here. People are going to love this. Mm. Put it up uh put it up right after uh Sabrina. Sabrina. I was trying to think of like some darker stuff and then I was like, "Oh, Netflix doesn't actually do like the the dark dark stuff, you know? That's like that's usually other stuff, but Sabrina's pretty pretty dark, yeah. I just saw uh, a viral post on Facebook that was this guy uh he had a blanket over his head. Maybe you saw this. No. And he said, "Netflix, where's all the lighthearted funny stuff like what is the deal with all this deep dark stuff you've been you know having on netflix oh they want people to actually watch netflix (laughs) where's my family feud where's my family matters where's they got stuff like that apparently it's not good so in that situation though matthew the client wants to sign you don't want to sign with them telling them to look the other way and then running out which matthew suggested not really an option i'm picturing a comical scene where the contracts say you made the mistake of putting the contract on the table before the client walked in clients already got that sweet contract contracts in their hand pen is out ink is being transferred to paper and then matthew it's matthew's turn to sign the contract and he's he's thinking through it He's not, he doesn't want to do this. Later's out. He's burning that contract right in their faces. No, he's breaking the pen, Stephen. It's like a scene out of like, I don't know, Modern Family or something where he pushes the pen and his broke ink all over the contract all over. <laughs> oh man, you got you guys, we'll just, you know what we'll do? Once I get home in four to six weeks, I will email you over another contract hopefully like this one yeah i don't get emailed a digital contract in between then for another bride and groom on that same date um or you know perhaps i schedule a vacation a family reunion um but yeah in four to six weeks i should have paperback in my printer that's jammed and uh, i'll get you a contract in the mail send it via global express where it goes around the world to really give you a global experience with this contract. And uh, we'll get this uh, get this signed, get this dated. Off off we go. Now, one of my personal favorites, though, Dustin, is um, you look at the bride and groom and you sign the contract just plain as day. And then you look at them and say, I'm sorry, but in my business and my family's tradition, a contract isn't really signed. <laughs> I, see where, I see where you're going with this. Until... 
until you consume that contract. So then you order a sandwich and you put the contract in side the sandwich and then you make them take bites out of the sandwich you take bites out of the sandwich you all eat the contract now the contract's in your belly and the stomach acid is just burning it all up and you're all good that's better than what i thought you were gonna say what do you think i was gonna say i thought you were gonna say uh in my tradition in my family a contract isn't binding until create a blood oath and then out of your bag you whip out some ceremonial switchblade oh this is good i like this one and you reach your hand across the table to the bride and oh, groom. Wait, wait. You reach out, reach in your bag, pull out your knife. Um, now you have to light several candles around the table as well. And <laughs> yes. then you pull out a Ouija board. And you're like, a blood oath isn't a blood oath until we've communed with our ancestors to make sure that they're all okay with this. Yes. So now you put your hands on the Ouija board. And you're like, look... So and so's mother, is it okay if we do this? <laughs> I see where you're going. And then you guide the hand to the no, and you're like, oh, "Guys, I'm sorry." And you just tear the contract up right in front of them, and then you burn that Ouija board, and it's going to put out some greed and smoke because it is demon possessed. But that's just something you're going to have to live with because once you breathe that green smoke in, the demon now lives in your body. See, now Matthew, <laughs> where you might run into some trouble with this scenario is if the couple is like, "Oh, that's so weird, you say that." We believe in the same thing in our family. In fact, we brought our ceremonial dagger. Oh, snap. Now you have to do this wedding because it sounds cool. (laughs) (laughs) Or or it's something out of Indiana Jones, one or the other. Yeah, no. And then you just say, yeah. Um, And if we drive the dagger through the groom's heart and he lives, (laughs) then, then the contract's good and it's signed. Oh no, we brought it back to murder, Dustin. <laughs> we brought it back to He's murder. So oh, next question. I think next we, question. I think we answered that one, Matthew. <laughs> it's so answered. Um, let Let's take a something from the internet. You, you find us a good one, Dustin. Our relationship was. Sh- Is this one question, or where am I at here? Where, where are you at? That's a long one. No, I don't want that one. Find a short one. We're running late. We got to wrap this up. I got to edit this still before Sunday. Caitlin from the Facebook groups asks, having a complete mind blank, what would be the best aperture setting for a wedding group of eight? Well, well Caitlin, I think um, your, your fifth grade paddleball champion, number one, gave her boy, uh, would, <laughs> would let you know you want that 50 millimeter F1.2 set at F1.2. Now, it's going to be difficult to align everybody so their eyes are in focus, but it's going to be worth it. Just one straight line of eight people. That's all <laughs> you've got to do. Well, it can't be one straight line, Dustin, because of the way that the lens is shaped. The people on the outside edges won't be in focus, only the people in the very center on a wider shot. So you're actually going to have to move the people on the outside edges just a little bit closer. So it's going to be more of a concave sort of line. Conva- concave in or concaved out? No, it's not concave in or concaved out. It's concave or convex. It's, it's not. You don't concave in, <laughs> concave out. Okay, so for those of us who aren't familiar with this term, are they curving towards you or away from you? Because it depends on what direction you're viewing the concave. Are we talking from the camera or from... (laughs) It depends what direction you're viewing the concave. It's a concave, so... 
<laughs> think of it like this they're kind of forming a cave for you if it was convex then like the it would be almost like a flying v be like sort a of dome shot. yeah be like a dome yeah. okay <laughs> just trying to get a visual here steve i hope you're visual now <laughs> yeah yeah good yeah how, how right. would you do this what's the best aperture setting for a wedding group of eight? Oh, easily f22 um Certainly F22. Oh, yeah. I want everything in focus. I want everything in focus, Steve. I don't want to take that risk. Caitlin, it is not worth getting anything out of focus. What if down the road you're shooting at a beautiful church, you're setting up that group of eight. I want to picture that this group of eight is a mythical group. It's not a family photo. It's not a bridal party. This is the group of eight. And you're setting them up, and you don't want anything behind them in front of them around them out of focus f22 f24 whatever you got to do it needs to be at least above f20 yeah dial it straight into f22 then you're gonna want to bump that iso up too (laughs) yeah you're gonna have to bump the iso uh but that's okay bring a tripod drop that shutter down as low as you need to go uh and then just tell that that one over one (laughs) tell that group of eight Hold real, real still. I gotta, do, I gotta do a one second exposure. <laughs> Who blinked? Which one of you blinked? <laughs> Get your eye drops. Get your eye Which, drops, Susie. Jeez. And if you really want to get creative and you don't want to use flash because you're doing it in this creative artistic method, you could paint them with light. <laughs> I'm just saying, Stephen. This has so many advantages that you yeah. haven't even thought about. I mean, light painting, now now you're not really, you've gone beyond photography. Now you're just a visual artist, you know? And, and I, th- Caitlin, I think that's a good place think, to live, Caitlin. I think that's where you want to be. I mean, Steven's F, F1 blur, F1 blur, not a good idea. F22, you can't lose in that scenario. <laughs> yeah. First, you're just going to have to light paint all of them in, but then everything else around them is going to be dark. So now you're going to have to go through and light paint in every blade of grass. <laughs> I was picturing this is on like the stairs of a church inside, like light paint in every every fabric of the carpet. I'm just picturing you with like a like a Batman type belt on with flashlights, and you're walking around painting like the crucifix and the altar. Nah, just the like, crucifix. You guys hold still up there, guys. Hold still. I am painting back here. I need this to be taken seriously. The Michelangelo of. A flight painting in your photography. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you want to really be able to see the brush strokes when you when you look at that photo. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to get one of those brush lights. Yeah. Steven and I are going to be selling that on our Patreon. Maybe you just paint them with like some glow in the dark paint. Does that work? Then they they should show up no matter what your aperture is, right? That's how glow in the dark works. No, no, you're you're inverting it, Steve. That's the difference between concax, convex, oh, and concave. Oh shoot, man, you got so, me. Yeah, it's the inverse square law with lighting. So you don't paint them with glow in the dark paint. You come to the church the night before and you spray paint the entire church with glow in the dark paint, and then you light paint with a black light, <laughs> and then you light paint. See, you get there, you got it, bud. <laughs> Caitlin, I think, and when you light paint the couple. And, and their their bridal party, they're they're gonna still be like blue and dark, but their teeth will really shine. <laughs> exactly. Well, hopefully they're dark. 
<laughs> Thanks for listening Hopefully. to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast with Dustin and Steve. If you want to help us out, jump on iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a five-star review. If you want to connect, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Wedding Photo Hangover or on Twi- Twitter at Wedding Hangover. Dustin is on Instagram at Dustin underscore McKibben and Steven's at Steven Van Elk. If you want to get involved with the awesome community of listeners join the wedding hangover facebook group you know it's we got we got mostly photographers there but we got some videographers we got and some there's djs a couple star children yeah a couple we got star, some star children. children you don't have to be a photographer to get down into the community uh it's a very accepting group everybody everybody's really nice and helpful you want to be there it's gonna make you a better photographer easily or just fill your life with more laughter the people there are awesome. If you really want to warm Dustin and I's hearts, head on over to anchor.fm slash wedding photo hangover, and you can sign up to support us for as little as 99 cents a month. It's extremely helpful to us and to the making of this fine podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time your head is pounding, your limbs feel like dead weight, and your entire being aches for the sweet embrace of death. That's right, next Sunday after you shoot another wedding. Dun dun dun. Dun, dun, dun. Actually, in this case, they'll see us Thursday on Thanksgiving Day for the Thanksgiving special. That's when Stephen and I will tell you all of our Black Friday, Cyber Monday picks, picks of pictures, pick, pick, photo picks, pick, pick, picks, pick, picks. Yeah, not, not dick pics. That when I was in dead, San Francisco, I went to the Apple Store. I saw that. The visitor center one. Mm -hmm. They have like this badass thing you can do. It's like augmented reality. So they have like a 3D landscape thing. It's all like white with like Mm -hmm. grid lines on it. And then you hold up an iPad in front of it. And like they have iPads there with a special app. And the iPad, if you like hold it up and like move it across the face of the thing, it converts. And then all of a sudden you can see the entirety of the Apple Park as opposed to just like the white grid thing. And -hmm. you can see like cars driving by. It's real cool. Yeah. Uh, somebody I went to college with is he owns a company in Los Angeles uh, developing augmented reality mm-hmm. uh, things. And he just showed on Facebook uh, their new line of augmented reality business cards. Uh, that oh, so this out. had nothing to do with the Apple thing? It just You just wanted uh, to transition into talking about one of your friends again? No, it, it's integrated in with the new technology that Apple rolled out with the new phones and the tablets where oh, okay. essentially cool, cool, cool. anytime you turn on the, uh, I think it has to be, currently at least it has to be Facebook or um, uh, Snapchat. Uh, and you essentially like roll over their business card and like the business card disappears and like st- like fireworks come off the business card and their name appears you know, in front of you. Like different things like that. Man, that sounds like a lot of work to do for something that nobody does anymore, which is hand out business cards, though. I know. I was like, but I think they needed uh, a practical application for consumers because their biggest client is uh, Jeep Chrysler. And so they have a thing where so you just buy like a really plain, gross looking car. But then when you hold your phone up, <laughs> exactly. scroll over it from one side to the other. Boom. It's the most awesome Jeep ever. Like wonder what my Jeep would look like with this accessory. If I had and... the money to get a real nice paint job. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's kind of what, what they designed. But, uh, 
is uh, won a bunch of awards though. So I think that's landed them since a bunch of new contracts. Cool. I like following people like that that I went to school with because I always think it's interesting as a photographer how many other careers you can somehow kind of fall into that are related to sort of the visual arts. Yeah. So. All right, Dustin, we should wrap this one up because we've gone pretty long. So I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have we, Steve? Bye. Have we? Bye, Steve. Such a weird first name, by the way. Jennifer? Or my wife? My wife? I I thought middle name was Jennifer. Wedding Photo Hangover was edited this week by Steve Van Elk of Bespoke Tone. Go to Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, and audio editing needs. Woo-wee!